Welcome in everyone to another live edition of 410 Sports Talk. I'm Glenn Martin here with my co-host James Haskell, who is on the road, currently behind the wheel of a vehicle, but didn't let that stop him from coming out and no. talking to you guys. How, how's the road, Jimbo? It's good. My eyes are straightforward. Uh, I'm focused on the road, and uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot about the Ravens today. Uh, hanging out with the family. Um, I'll tell you what, Glenn. I've gone through some enemy territory today. I've gone through Pittsburgh. No. I'm I'm I'm, I'm basically. Uh, I guess we we I think we just passed. Yeah, we just passed Cleveland. So you know, I'm making you my way anything. around the AFC North. That's right. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I certainly didn't. I wasn't looking forward to hanging around, but uh, made it through the other side and excited to get to Chicago. All that being said, uh, it's a pretty day out. Couldn't ask for too much better. So, uh, yeah, man, we're here. Ready to talk some Ravens. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Happy to see the guys back on the field today, uh, yeah. you know, in the limited capacity that they are. It's still nice to see uh, them out there. Also good to see. Some some guys who hadn't been there yet, you know, specifically Mark Andrews. Nice to see he just arrived for OTAs, participated today, had an opportunity to speak to the media. So, um, yeah, it's been nice, man. It's been I, I love the Wired uh, session that just went up. I think either yesterday or the day before, it got us a it got us an opportunity to see, you know, what Greg Lewis is like. You know, the new wide receiver coach taking over. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I I I would love to know like the power dynamic because. Keith Williams is still very much so involved, but yet at practice, at least in the clips we saw from the Wired session, it was Greg Lewis that was the far more active, talking constantly, correcting, coaching, and it looked like Keith Williams was taking more of a backseat role, whereas last year when we saw him, I mean, you can attest to it, Jimbo, he was out, and again, he's in this full sweatsuit again, man. I mean, some things don't change, but he took a bit of a backseat role while still right next to him and right there, I kind of am interested as to like what the power dynamic is between those two guys. Yeah, the only th- the only things I've seen, uh, well, I, not saying that this is what's happening, but the things I've seen uh, Keith being most uh, active in are the individual drills of the wide receivers. So that could be a distinction. I saw him doing a lot, and his influence is still there. Now he's throwing around rugby balls. I don't know if you saw that with Rashad Bates, mm-hmm. but uh, I think you know that that's really cool and really interesting stuff. So maybe that's a bit of a distinction where. You know his skill set in the past has been with guys in, in one in one on one type interactions, and maybe that's how they're deciding to use him a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I think no nothing wrong with having more good coaches, Jimbo. Yeah, like, the more redundancy. The nothing is wrong with redundancy. Not when it comes to that profession, that's for sure. When, that's right. When the margins are you know razor thin, and and point one percent of an edge is considered you know quite drastic, but. Uh, uh, quick shout out, Jackson. What's going on, Jackson? Adolfo. What's going on, Mark Stackhouse? Appreciate you guys coming out. Uh, Charles, uh, appreciate you guys uh, being in here with us. But uh, we're also we got a lot to talk about. We're gonna talk yeah. about J.K. Dobbins, his tweets. Um, bit cryptic. I'm not really sure mm-hmm. what made him put these tweets out, but we'll get into that. I want to get into reports coming out a couple days ago that there was a. Uh, a bit of a dust-up between Marcus Peters and Lamar Jackson at the end of last season, apparently circling around Marcus Peters thinking maybe Lamar should be playing, uh, maybe, uh, you know, and he might just be one of uh, maybe the the vocal leader of maybe a small minority group of people who did feel that Lamar Jackson um, could have had a go at it. So we'll get into that. 
Uh, but before we do, you know, that I want to dig more into what we saw from training camp today. And Jimbo, I know you had some notes about the offensive side of the ball, um, yeah. specifically. Yeah, for sure. So of course we we can't be there, right? So we're trying to uh, parse from videos and from reporters. And one of the things that caught my eye when I was, you know, trying to uh, pick up on some information was, uh, you know, Lamar's. They talked about the offense overall being rusty. And, you know, Lamar being a little off on some on the deep ball basically all day. Uh, and it seemed like, based on the reports, some people were more concerned than others. Uh, one of the specific reporters, uh, Jonah Schaefer, said, um, you know, Lamar's only been here for a handful of days, so a bit to be expected. But in my, in my eyes, like, no red flags. You know, I think ultimately it's a new offense, and there's a lot to be learned. Uh, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. We want to get it out now. But, th- Glenn, I got two questions for you. One, does this cause any concern for you? And two, does this give any cr- validation to the people that were like, Lamar, you should have been there day one? Well, I think that getting uh, the bad days out of the way early is is not a bad thing. And I'd, I'd rather him be you know, a little rusty and a little off during these OTA periods rather than to start a training camp. So I guess in that regard – it's good that he's been that he's here, and 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 it sounds like he's not the only quarterback that had struggles. Is what I'm hearing is that offense in general lost to the defense today. And look, that's not alarming. That's not shocking because most of the time, the defense is ahead of the offense this in this point in the season or in the off season, I should say, because the the offense requires so much more timing, uh, cohesiveness. It takes a it takes a, a a certain bit of um, what do they say with where uh, familiarity like chemistry? chemistry there it is it takes yeah. more chemistry I think between pass catcher and and, and thrower to, to get on the same page whereas defensive you know yeah you got to get some timing you're working on your technique you're making sure your pedal is clean you're making sure you can you know open up your hips turn and run you can do but there's not as much you know timing and stuff that goes into uh, the defensive side of the ball. So no shocker. And also, let's be honest, Jim, it's a pretty damn good defense that they're practicing against. And for the most part, all their major players are present. Like I heard Marcus Williams had a nice interception today. Uh, we know that Pat Queen's been there since day one. We know that Roquan's been there since day one. Whereas the offense, even though they got some some studs back and Mark Andrews being you know the big one there today, there's also a ton of players still missing on the offensive side, including you know, they're veterans on the offensive line. J.K. Dobbins is still yet to to participate or to show up. J- Gus Edwards is there, but he's only on the side participating one-on-ones or uh, in, in solo drills. So not shocking, not concerning, and it's honestly what's more expected. But to your to your to your um your last question, I do think it's better to get these out of the way now rather than yeah. when training camp is at full go. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what practice is for for messing up, right? So. Ultimately, I think if you're not messing up in practice, you might not be pushing the envelope enough. So uh, I'd like pushing the envelope to be a habit. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm okay with it ultimately at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah. Think, if you think this was still Roman's offense, it wouldn't look this like, cause they already know the, like how much do you think sure. learning a new offense is playing a part? Big time. I think that's, that's uh, playing a, a significant part in the lack of chemistry and the lack of cohesion and, and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's everything, right? Because this is not just a, oh, we're going to tweak the offense. This is like a, 
no, we're going to get down to the foundation of this thing and like mm-hmm. do it all different. Right. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I think that has a lot to do with that. I, I bet you it's on days like this. I bet you it's pretty entertaining to see Munkin out there. Just, uh, you know, air traffic control. I imagine with the orange cones, like, you know, directing traffic, telling guys what to do, yelling, yelling at guys and th- in a good way. But like, based on what we've heard about him, he's very talkative, very vocal, very detail oriented, much different. Not that Greg isn't detail oriented or anything, but certainly not the talkative out there in the middle of the field, demonstrative type guy. That's not Greg's style. No, it's definitely a, a big, big difference. And I think it's a refreshing uh, change yeah. to, to those on offense. Now, uh, one of the gentlemen uh, that's back at practice today got an opportunity to speak to the media. Mark Andrews, I know, was, uh, uh, you know, everyone's yeah. everyone excited to get him back in the building and, and kind of see what he looks like in this new offense. And Jimbo, I know you were happy to hear his answer to, to I think it was like the, maybe the first question he was asked about, you know, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of balls to be going around. You got an awful lot of mouths to feed, awful lot of new weapons what's your, uh, you know, what's your concern level about not having enough targets to go around it? And, and, and Jimbo, what was his answer? Yeah. I, I don't really care. I love it. love that. That's a quote from Mark. That's my answer to you. That's a quote from Mark. I'm so happy that Mark said that. I think it's awesome, right? Because I think it's the right mentality. I think it's what we've always seen from Mark. Mark has always been a team first guy, in my opinion. Has always been about the team from the effort that he puts in. I don't ever see Mark Slouch, you know, chase downs on interceptions. He's gotten so much better at blocking. So many of his, his catches are pure effort. Um, yeah, so Mark Andrews is certainly one of my favorite Ravens. And I, I didn't expect anything different. Nonetheless, it's so fun to have a pass catcher that has zero diva in him. Zero. Like, and, and I love that about Mark Andrews. So shout out to him for that. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I, lo- I think he has a ability because he ultra competitive. You know, like we see sometimes last season where he was frustrated at lack of uh, you know production participation in the offense, and 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 but it, it doesn't come off as uh, you know like because he just wants to get his. It's because he you know I'm I'm pretty good and I'll help us win. So uh, I'd like to be involved because I think it gives us the best chance to win. So I love that uh, he's competitive. But it yep. doesn't come off as selfish. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the part that gets me. But For also, sure. you know, another. Up oh, and try. You're kind of breaking up, Jimbo. Sorry. Can you hear there me okay? Go. Yeah, that's better. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, sorry, really quickly. When you're the guy, like, it's okay. It's not selfish to say, well, it's okay to have the frame of mind right now. Getting me the ball is the best thing for the team. Right, like, and, yeah. and that's especially exactly if you're right and everyone agrees. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. That's it. That's exactly how it comes off. Because Mark doesn't do it all the time. It's not like they're losing by fifty, and he's like, "Dude, I need my my eight and and a hundred yards and a tutty." No, like we need. So I, yeah. Anyway, I I I agree with your point there. I think that um, Mark does a really good job at that. He's team, 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 man. No doubt, and he, and he expressed no surprise here that he was extremely happy Lamar Jackson got his deal done. He says, I just thank God. It's just a lot of stress yeah. to relieve. Uh, like I always say, that's my quarterback. So he's, I'm sure, over the moon excited to have Lamar Jackson as his quarterback, knowing that he is his favorite target. And 
even though there's a lot more weapons, I don't think that part's going to change. I still think Mark Andrews will remain the safety blanket for Lamar Jackson. And look, if you can dominate the middle of the field, man, that is the most important part. You have to be able to, to operate and dominate the middle of the field. If you can't, uh, you're not going to go very far. So, yeah, I know Mark will be happy. But, Jimbo, I, I got to ask you about uh, Patrick Queen because initially when they drafted Trenton yeah. Simpson, he, he puts the tweet out saying, I think it was like Jeesh or or, uh, or meh, something, where he, he, he clearly or wasn't sheesh. thrilled. Yeah, Sheesh, that's what it was. But he showed up at everything. He's been at football school. He's been the first week of OTA. He's here again at the second voluntary OTA. And so he was asked about, uh, you know, why is he coming to these volunteer OTAs after, you know, you took down the images from your social media that, you know, that showed the Ravens after the Ravens say they don't want to do your fifth year, pick up your fifth year option. And he says, any as anything in life, you go through emotions. It may take some longer to get over them. I just had many talks with, uh, with many people and I got, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. And I got different outlooks on it. I came to the realization that not everything is a bad thing. The front office, uh, I talked to them a little bit, and they kept me grounded and let me know what it really was and how they really feel. Uh, at the end of the day, this is the place uh, I want to play. Um, this is where I want to be. However, the chips may fall, and I'm happy with it. So, I love this outlook, Jimbo. I love this response. This is it shows such maturity, and he's just correct. Like the best thing for him to do is just to come ball out next to Roquan. Is it not? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think this is so awesome and elite for Patrick because if you remember, he got drafted, young kid, came off an incredible team. I mean, he had every reason to be as high on his horse as any of us ever can be, right? Uh, first round pick, all these other things. And he's kind of gone through this process. And I think we all go through scenarios in life where we are forcibly humbled. And you can really do two things. You can learn from it or you can whine about it. And he's decided to learn. And, and he's doing two things, in my opinion. He's, he's being honest with himself and he's controlling what he can control. And that's exactly what you said. If he, if he does those two things, I think it's what's best for him. And I think it's what's best for the Ravens and everybody involved. And I, I, I congratulate him for it because I think that takes courage. I think it takes courage. It's something that people think comes easily, but uh, it certainly doesn't. So shout out to Patrick Queen, man. Um, that's That was really awesome to hear. Yeah, no doubt. This guy still dedicated, not, not you know, taking his ball and going home. He's not complaining, dragging his feet. No. He's going to make the best of the situation, and I think that's the best for him financially. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe the Ravens can find a way to squeeze him under the cap, but I think he's going to get highly paid elsewhere. He also was asked about all the new additions on the roster and what the team's expectations are with those new additions. And he said, everybody around the locker room is saying Super Bowl. They're not saying Super Bowl or bust because we don't want to have a bust mindset. With the pieces we've got, the defense we got, the offense we got, the new coordinator, everything, the whole organization, everything that we need to win, we've got right here. We don't need anything else. And, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of guys may say this type of stuff publicly, and some may have to say things that they may not necessarily believe. But I tell you what, I mean, I, I think Patrick Queen believes everything he's saying. I think that this team is Super Bowl or nothing in the sense that 
you know, a lot of these guys are playing for their, their next contract. They're playing for their, you know, uh, some people are playing for, you know, the, the opportunity to continue to, uh, to play in this league, maybe not Patrick queen, but some of the other guys. And so I think this is a super bowl or bust mentality, but, um, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Like, because I know Giannis got big uh, when Giannis was was asked if this was a failure. You know, he was like, "There is no failure in sports. There's just kind of like steps to winning." Like, do you, so? Do you look at his Super Bowl or bust and bust being a failure? Like, how, how do you look at that? Right, right, yeah. I mean, ultimately, there's only one winner, and everyone goes home disappointed in the season. But I also, I mean, 100% agree with Giannis. Right, like, if you don't reach your goals you got to learn from the situation. It's not about losing. It's about learning. And so um, I understand his point completely. And and I've never subscribed to the like, okay, it's all or nothing. Every year it's all or nothing, right? right. Under these constraints. So it's all or, or what can we learn? So that way we get closer to it next year, because if you're going to say all or nothing, then if it's nothing, are you just going to quit? Like, is that how it works? No, you're going to learn from me. You're, you're going to come back next year. So I subscribe to that big time. Um, I mean, a hundred percent, I'll tell you what PQ Glenn is definitely not choosing to be the guy. That's the last even guy on a four and four basketball run that just had a bad game and now wants to go home <laughs> ah, and ruins it for everyone else. That's huh? right. Cause he was getting cooked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those I'm of going you, home. Yeah. Those of you who know, uh, you know, know what he's talking about, but, um, yeah, no, he's definitely not being that guy. I love the maturity he's showing, and I think 100%. it's only going to pay off and be, you know, it, he'll be he'll be better for it, and he'll get more for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, shout out to shout out to him, and then also coach uh, quarterback coach T Martin was another uh, one of those who spoke to the media today, and he talked about the uniqueness in coaching Lamar Jackson as opposed to other quarterbacks. You know, of course, T Martin being a very successful college quarterback uh, in his own right back when he was in his playing days, and has coached high-level quarterbacks uh, at different stops along his career. And, and he said this when asked about Lamar. He said, everything is built around Lamar. I went back and everything I had done with players in the past at the quarterback position, he's so different. He's so unique that I went back and revamped all the drills toward Lamar Jackson's movement skills. So I, I love that because oftentimes you get stuck in a rut. You do the same thing over and over. And somebody once told me, not everyone can be coached the same. Not everyone can be managed the same. Not everyone can be taught in the same way. So a standard curriculum at anything is not necessarily the best for developing and teaching younger people. So I love that QB is taking, I mean, that uh, T. Martin has taken a unique approach to coaching Lamar Jackson. You're not just coaching any quarterback. You're, co you're coaching Lamar Jackson. So what do you think when you heard about kind of the unique take on, on coaching him? My first thought, do you think – what do you think the chances are that he dialed up Josh? I Any hope he chance? did. I hope so. I mean, the yes. only thing that would stop you is what? Like uh, – Lamar Eric. told him not to? Yeah, I guess that. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, like, he won the MVP with that guy as his QB coach. Yeah, and I and I don't think there's – I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, making connections with any bad blood. I, I don't think there is. I think Josh – Lamar still attends Josh's events and things like that. So, I doubt there's any um, bad blood. But – yeah, that was honestly the first thought that came through my head was like, hmm, I wonder if he hit up our guy Josh, uh, Joshua Harris, and and uh, and helped to you know to help kind of frame his mind when coaching Lamar. But ultimately, yeah, I agree with you. You coach to the player; the player doesn't play to the coach. So I, it, it just look. 
I think John – I might get ripped for this. I think John Hall at Harbaugh is the best coach staff builder and staff recruiter in the NFL. Uh, and I don't know how close it is. I think John does an excellent job. Now, has he been perfect? Has he made mistakes? Of course. Didn't he take uh, – who was uh, the guy from the Bears, Mark uh, – Trustman? Yeah, over Shannon, Kyle Shanahan. Wasn't that was wasn't that was something that, that happened? I don't. I, I know he took so, Mark Tressman, but I don't know if Shanahan was in the running. I'm I'm pretty sure, but Shanahan was also like 22. No, I'm I'm being you know I'm exaggerating here, but he was also a child basically, yeah. right? Like he's in a different stage. And so, um, my point is that I think that John does an excellent job at building his staff, and he's just an example of this. He's soaking in good coaching around him, and he's he's you know, getting down, down in the weeds and figuring out what he can do to best help Lamar Jackson. I think it's awesome. It's exciting stuff, man, because we really have no idea. Like we have ideas, but we have no, we only have uh, projections of what this offense is going to look like, but we don't really Mm -hmm. know yet because Munkin is a chameleon. Like he's an absolute chameleon. So he can change this offense at the drop of a hat. So it's just really exciting to see what's going to come out on the other side. No doubt. I love, I love, and you talk about being a chameleon. Imagine having to be a defensive coordinator tasked with preparing for this offense when you have no freaking clue yep. what it's exactly going to look like. I mean, like you said, you can look back on certain tape, but he was so influenced at his other stops. It's hard to know, you know, what he'll be doing, you know, with full control. And, and know, to, to that point, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know what? It, I'm hoping to a certain, to a certain effect. Do you remember when, um, the the uh, Patriots defense would come out, and even their offense. But when they were in the middle of their run, like the defense would come out, and their scheme would be so drastically different than the week before, mm-hmm. because ultimately their their objections were different, and they had the the framework to change in a way that that was quick, right? And so I'm interested to see. I feel like we have that type of potential because our run attack can be so dynamic. And our passing attack can be so dynamic. So is it going to end up being a pick your poison type thing? Will the game plan be different every week and drastic enough for the average person to be like, wow, we threw it 40 times this week and we ran it 40 times last week. And we were equally successful as both. Now it's a dream scenario, but I think we have the talent to do that where other teams, I don't think they're well-rounded enough to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. I th- you got to build the right roster. And, and in fact, uh, T. Martin was asked about uh, Lamar Jackson's, you know, ability to control the game at the line of scrimmage, and he said that Coach Munkin's system is very quarterback friendly in the sense of you have the opportunity to change routes when need be. You do a lot of doctoring at the line in terms of protections. It's not that we didn't do it in the past; we're just doing it more of it, and we're going to be more vocal about it. So you'll be seeing him operate at the line of scrimmage a lot more. And he said, with that growth and with that responsibility, it comes with added responsibility with film work that you have to put in, extra work you have to put in on the field, and uh, uh, to where you're right most of the time. So it sounds like this is a lot more freedom for Lamar Jackson in this offense as far as gain, like at the line of scrimmage making changes. But but it also sounds like a lot more responsibility for Lamar. He has to crack open has, them books. Exactly. He's got to make sure he knows this inside and out. So what's your, when you hear that, does that get you excited? Does it have you, uh, you know, any nervous because he hasn't been asked to do that? What's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I, I think – so this is what I'll say about this. It gets me excited about the potential of it. And all I can do is go based on what I know that Lamar likes and knows how to work, and he's never seemed unprepared. He's never seemed mentally unprepared, in my opinion, and what I've seen. So it does make me a little nervous because we just don't know if he's ready and willing because some guys just don't want to do it. Like, we've all heard the stories of – of Mike Vick having the the playbook in the back of his trunk and like not looking at it, just whatever. Right. I'm not saying Lamar is that, but some guys just simply aren't willing to do it. And then when they are too late in their career, but I've only seen the opposite of that from Lamar. So it gets me excited and I'm hoping it takes advantage of this opportunity because I think what this does for Lamar, if he can have, you know, ultimate success here in offense, it gets rid of any, I, I think absolutely stupid and ridiculous, you know, categorizations that people will say about Lamar, right? Um, because they'll say, oh, he's different than a Pat Mahomes. He's different than a Joe Burrow. He's not commanding the offense, you know, where he's just getting up there and saying hut with four seconds left on the play clock. It's it's not the same dynamic. You know, he's not this true atypical quarterback, which he's not. We don't want Lamar to be. But my point is that if he can be the best of both worlds and still be Lamar Jackson, I think it would – not that any of this matters to him, but we're in the media, so it matters to us, and like we're Ravens fans. So I hate when people say this crap about Lamar. So it's exciting for me to just have one less thing that people can say about Lamar when he gets up there and he's got full control of the offense and he's running the show. Yeah, no doubt. This will be uh, this will be a fun season. Also, a lot of maybe uh, prove it wrong moments for Lamar Jackson if he plays well, but that, you know, I, I think we expect him to, but he still has to put the yeah. work. It's like when they asked, when they asked um, uh, Nelson Aguilar about the, you know, the talent in the room and the expectations and, you know, kind of where he expects this offense to be. He said, I, I loved his answer. He just said, as hard as we're willing to work, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not all going to be given to us. So yeah, we have the talent, but now we have to put the work in, uh, or it means nothing. So I love that outlook because oftentimes, you know, you think the, the best paper talent wins the Super Bowl, but it's it's almost never the case. The best team on paper uh, rarely ends up being the final team remember, standing. So Remember that Browns team that was like all over ESPN and Sports Illustrated? I With OBJ. Remember the yeah. Eagles team when they got uh, Namdi Asamwa? They got Mike Vick. They had mm-hmm. – oh, dude, they were the they were the – I, I can't remember, but one of the free agents they brought in named them like the something, like the super team or something. And they were horrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Now, Glenn, I, I want to take a quick pivot. Um, and I want to talk about something that's been on my mind since our live show last Saturday. And that is, first of all, Kadri absolutely LOLing on the idea of Zay Flowers being our number one wide receiver by the end of the year, which I'm standing on ultimately because we don't know what the other guys are going to be. All that being said, I'm not a Super Bowl uh, wide receiver. I'm not a Super Bowl winning wide receiver. So, you know, it is what it is. But um, this is what I I, want to talk about really quickly from you because something I've been thinking about. In my mind, the utilization of Zay has been a lot of get him the ball early type stuff, like early and often, right? Just get him the ball, see what he can do in space. Um, talking to a, a, a friend of mine, so talking to Craig hands picked, of course, we've had him on the show a couple times, he helped us out with the draft. He said, you know, I understand your point and I understand the idea of that, but I believe that Rashad Bateman will be the slot receiver 
And I think that Zay and OBJ, OBJ will be your two outside receivers. If you watch Zay's tape in college, almost exclusively an outside receiver. Even though he's a smaller, quick guy, doesn't you know? You naturally want to plug him inside. I think Bateman has done a lot of good work in the slot, and he's already a bit more proven. Uh, so, I kind of want to get your thoughts there because, you know, I'm not backing off my take. I still think that ultimately it comes down to whoever's the healthiest in that room. And right now, I guess all we can do is 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 go on history. So I, I I'm inclined to say it's going to be Zay Flowers. But what do you think about? Who's going to end up being in the slot? Do you, you know, because in my mind, I kind of automatically plug Zay in there. But Craig got me thinking a little bit, so I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I'll say this: when you were saying it, and I and I had Kadri next to me laughing, <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest, Jimbo. I jumped on on board with Kadri because it was the sure. smarter, easier route, and it gave me an opportunity to kind of rag on you a little bit. So I was sure. all, on, but in reality, deep down inside. I think production-wise, Bateman and Flowers will out, like numbers-wise, uh, as far as catches and yardage, than OBJ. Uh, so I do think he'll be – I think I got him at number two as far as production behind Bateman. But that, right. So I, I'm with you. I think impact is different than production. And I think OBJ oftentimes will – unfortunately be the be the kind of the recipient of a lot of the attention until just because of his name and his talent but his name as well sure it precedes him so i think that there's more there's going to be uh more like obj may end up with more touchdowns than those two guys but i think both end up with more catches and more yards so i don't think it's uh crazy what you're saying as far as the you know who's the inside who's the outside i mean from what i remember looking at we saw yeah we definitely saw a lot of Zay outside, and certainly. But we also saw a lot of them in the slot. And I don't think there's going to be like, all right, OBJ's our outside, Flowers is our other outside, Bateman's the inside. I think they'll move them all over because they're just that talented, that versatile. And why not continue to keep the defense guessing by putting those guys in all those positions? So I, I think they're each going to have their opportunity to play on the outside and the slot because they all three can do it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think it's that crazy, even though I, I made it seem like that when I was uh, – uh, It's okay. Country, it's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's okay. I've been on an island before. Don't you worry. Don't I mean, this, worry. this guy this guy is so excited. I just love his personality. Like, when you talk yeah. – like, his smile is so freaking infectious. When that guy smiles, like, he just makes you smile. I'm sitting there watching a video of him talk. I'm smiling. Like an idiot. Are you like TJ? Remember yeah, he just said smile like, on the picture? Smile. He starts, he's behind the camera and he starts smiling. <laughs> yeah, like he is just – he just seems yeah. like so, a guy that just loves football, like loves him some football yeah. uh, and, and just, you know, he's excited. So I think he's going to have a ton a ton of production. So I don't think you're that crazy, Jimbo. Oh, that's okay. But but I, I – I, uh, and I appreciate that. The other thing too I'll say is I agree with you on the versatility. We have a rare mix of guys here that – have done and can do it all right from a, a myriad of positions on the field. And so it's going to be exciting, but I keep, I keep salivating over the idea of Mark running a seam route, right. Coming off the, the end of the line of scrimmage and, and stack next to him or in his proximity is Zay who's underneath, right. Where like Mark's just getting all this attention and Oh, here comes the ultimate like jitterbug in Zay flowers. And all Lamar's got to do is dunk it to him. And there's not a guy within five feet of him. And as soon as a guy gets close, it's like, well, here we go. You know what I mean? So 
I, that just gets me really excited. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super excited about uh, Zay. This is the other thing I'll say to put a bow on that. And I said it kind of later in the show, but um, ultimately, Godry's the same guy that's saying that Mark Andrews is going to get traded and that Charlie Kohler is going to be our our number one tight end by the end of the season. I think that his is a much bigger stretch than mine. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Now, I think he was asked for a hot take, and that might be the difference here. But uh, Hey, he put it out there on Twitter. By the way, just so you know, um, as far as the snaps go, last year, 337 snaps out wide, and he had 166 snaps inside. So, All right, you know, good. definitely more outside, but 166 is not like he, um, you know, didn't go inside. So this guy can obviously do it all and be at play, uh, play anywhere. And don't be shocked if we don't see him on a, on a punt return, maybe also to take full advantage of his ability to, to move with the ball in his hands. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, speaking of uh, the, these, 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 uh, these pass catchers, um, I, I want to talk about a bit of drama that's been dropping today. Um, now, he's not a pass catcher, although we do expect his his pass catching to increase in a big, big way this season under Munkin. Uh, some cryptic tweets came out from uh, J.K. Dobbins, and I, I got to get your take on it because, uh, you know, I look, I know I'm, I'm going to sound like an old man. I don't have a personal social media. We do it for the show, but I don't have one. But I got to just say, and, and Patrick Queen, now he came to the – you know, he came to the mature re- realization that he probably shouldn't have tweeted what he tweeted, shouldn't have removed all the Ravens stuff from his social media, but admitted that emotions can sometimes, you know, get the better of you. But he tweets today that, um, let me just pull it up. He says, Baltimore, dot, 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 Ravens flock. I hope I'm here till the end of my career, dot, dot, dot. I love you. And then he tweets out, I don't know, though, sadly, which was a little bit odd. But then he then just to make things even more confusing, he then tweets out, um, I'm Baltimore to and through till I'm gone. So what the hell is J.K. doing here, Jimbo? You know, I think ultimately it's just one of those unfortunate scenarios where he's thinking out loud with his he's tweeting out loud. He's tweeting his thoughts out loud, right? Because. It's negotiation season. He's coming into the third year. You know, he's a second round pick. So he's got four years. Um, you know, they're going to, I'm sure his agents pushing and they're talking and the Ravens are like, look, we want to see you healthy. Right. We want to see you healthy. Wait, this is going, this is his fourth year. Yeah. 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 For sure. So this is contract year. This is what it is. So he's trying to get some it's contract year. Yeah. He's trying to get some money and, and, you look, maybe he's putting some pressure on him, but I think ultimately he's just thinking out loud. Thinking out loud and saying, look, I want to be here. But ultimately, I don't know. And this is just weird to us, I think. And 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 uh, like you said, it sounds a little old manish, but I totally understand your point in that, like, sometimes it's good just to keep things to yourself. Not everything has to be said. Or and you share it to your friends and close family, family. Right. Especially on social media. You know right. what I mean? Have your circle and just keep some things to yourself, you know? Uh, so, look, ultimately, I think J.K. is going to be a huge benefactor of this offense. And I think he plays well and, and, and balls out. But um, I think the Ravens might have come back to his agent and say, look, we're in, we're in wait and see mode. But don't be surprised if an extension comes down middle of the year. It's week six. He's balling out. 
boom, there goes the J.K. Dobbins extension, right? Yeah, I guess, I guess so. But that was kind of my next question is if he does ball out, is he simply putting on tape for another team? Because do you realistically see the Ravens paying a right. running back when they, right. you know, they're paying their quarterback, they're paying their tight end. I mean, do you realistically think they would sign him or is he playing for a contract elsewhere? Yeah, because the other thing you got to think about. So with Lamar's, so adding to your point, really to your question, Lamar's deal is done now. So there will be some casualties. And we have two running backs that are already not on rookie deals. So they're getting paid more than the rookie, right? Like maybe not a first round rookie, but Justice just signed a deal. Now these aren't huge deals, but if you're talking about allotment to the running back room, right? This is more than just drafting and developing a guy. So um, now if JK gets the, we'll assume that JK's deal would be the biggest of the three in the room. Is that a sustainable thing, you know, with the, the increased cost of, you know, the, the yearly hit of Lamar's deal? That's a great question. And so I don't know at this point, right? I don't know. There's always options. There's always things they can do if they decide to pay JK, but he might end up being a casualty of Lamar's salary doubling for, you know, from last year into this year for the next five years. Right. Yeah. It's just, you can only do so much when you're paying your quarterbacks, the ultimate conundrum in the NFL. That's why the ultimate, ultimate advantage is having a quarterback on a rookie deal. No doubt. No doubt. And, and hopefully not playing like a rookie when he is on that rookie deal. Right. Um, and, and also we don't know to the degree of what, <laughs> like how important a running back is going to be in this offense. We know in, in you know, Greg Roman's offense, yeah. you need a stable of, of quality backs, but who knows what Munkin's system, you know, is really designed to have. And, and honestly, let, let's be honest, the, the running back position in the NFL has been extraordinarily devalued. I mean, you see a guy like, like uh, uh, who is that from Dallas? Ezekiel Elliott still trying to get a job. Can't find no, you know, can't find work. And, it, and Dalvin Cook, you know, they're trying to trade him out in Minnesota. They haven't found a partner. It looks like they could be on the verge of releasing him. So it makes you wonder, like, what would the market even be when the position's already been devalued and they look at – most teams look at as, I can get a running back at the tail end of the draft or as an undrafted guy, and I might get the best years out of the – like, that's the sad thing about the running back is most of the time the best performance you're getting is during their rookie year. I mean, their rookie deal. certainly for the certainly for the running back i do find myself feeling some type of way and and empathy towards those guys uh who was the kid at that was in dallas ended up in the titans is that demarco murray oh yeah yeah back in the day yep never was the same yeah you remember that whole scenario i think didn't end up right and they franchised him that last year is that how it worked and they ended up leaving and they juiced him for all he had and that was it yep yeah yeah, you know, I, I do feel bad for those guys, certainly, but um, I just especially I, I don't for know what JK because like, he lost, you're... he lost all that time with the injury. It's like ah, uh... yeah. But I tell you this, all Jake. The one thing JK can say is that every time I've been on the field, I've I've done nothing but been one of the best in the league. Right. Yeah, that's true. Like that's true. You know, he's got to like the chat stand clearly on wants to play Metabike. The chat, I can see. They want to play uh, pay Metabike before they pay JK before they pay yeah. uh, anybody. It looks like is they want to re oh uh, uh, Patrick Queen. They want to sign Metabike and look. I hear you that he's a he's an ascending player. This is a big big year for Metabike after he was predicted by some 
to 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 make that jump last year and in fact compete for defensive player of the year which we talk about a hot take that was uh that might have been hotter than Charlie Kohler over Mark Andrews take right there yeah 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 so but, that, um, yeah that's a perfect name I mean we can go we can go through and, and bring up other scenarios maybe we we do a video on that later on we dig deep in in the the priority list of signings of you know as far as roster retention moving forward but yeah it's a perfect name I mean there's there's so many examples of guys like that where it's like who would you rather pay in comparison to a JK or, you know, name another name. Right. So that's a great one. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what Meta VK does this year. Yeah. And then the, uh, the next thing I wanted to uh, bring up since we really don't know what's going on with JK, we have to kind of wait and see what happens next and if he shows up to camp. But one thing that broke a couple days ago, which has me really surprised, I'm trying to find the source. I believe it was, uh, I don't want to say the wrong place, but, um, Somebody broke the news recently, and maybe the chat can help us. This is where we need DK. Uh, but yeah, a report came out just a couple days ago that was saying that maybe the reason Marcus Peters isn't here right now or won't be brought back by the Ravens is because apparently uh, he had a bit of a dust-up with Lamar Jackson at the tail end of last year. And at least from the report, it's saying that it was based on the fact that Marcus Peters felt that Lamar Jackson – could have played through the injury and should have been out there with his team rather than, uh, you know, waiting to be 100%. And he's not the only guy we've heard talk about it, but apparently he was spewing some pretty he, – he was spewing some vitriol in the direction of Lamar Jackson. So uh, I got to imagine if, if we're hearing now from him, we heard Sammy Watkins mention it to the press last year before backpedaling. How big of a group mm -hmm. do you think that is of those who thought, you know, I'm not 100% either. I'm only at 50, 60, 80%. Maybe, maybe Lamar should play at whatever percent he is, like I am. And also, do you think that that's something that's preventing Marcus Peters from bringing ball, brought back to the Ravens? Yeah. I, I, so you, after you said also, you cut out. You just ended your question. Oh, uh, so do you think that there's a, a, a at least a small group that had those same feelings about Lamar that he should have been playing in that playoff game? And then do you think this dust up could be the reason Marcus isn't here? Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, to the number number, I'll answer in chronological order here. Um, I do think now that you know Marcus is that story has been made public, and like you said, it's if it's one, it's an anomaly. If it's two, it's a trend, mm -hmm. right? And so what other, what other guy, I, I would be willing to bet that it's probably the like over 30, 30 or 31 club, you know, where the guys that realize how hard it is to get to be on a team this good and this talented and knowing how close they were, uh, if Lamar had been healthy, uh, in comparison to the young guys that still think the, the window's wide open for them and maybe don't quite realize yet that opportunities like this don't come around as often. So I understand both sides of it. You know, self-preservation is important. Lamar wanted to get paid and things like that. But I also understand Marcus's side and that type of passion and, and all or nothing, all chips on the table type mentality is what one of the reasons what that Marcus is great. So um, I do think that I, I would be willing to bet that there's another, you know, there's another handful of guys, three, four, five guys that I probably agree with Marcus and really wanted Lamar to be out there. Um, but simply didn't say it publicly and, and uh, you know, their story didn't get out there. Uh, I also wonder just 
I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that scenario. Like Lamar doesn't seem the type of guy that is gonna. Marcus is much more vocal and demonstrative than Lamar Jackson. So, um, how did how how does Lamar respond in that scenario? Because Marcus ain't holding back. You know, what I mean, he's, no. he's simply not. So, like, I, I'm curious to know what that was like. Um, but ultimately, to your second question, I'm gonna say no, Glenn. I still think there's a chance that Peters does come back. I don't think that it's something that I think if John went to Lamar and said, Hey, this isn't like unable to be repaired, right? Like this isn't because Marcus is good. We know Marcus is good and he can change his team. I don't think Lamar's the type of guy that would be like, no, you know, I don't want him around. Like uh, remember when Trey Lance was complaining about uh, Jimmy G still hanging around uh, and oh, he's yeah. like, you know, that, that insecurity does not, Lamar does not strike me as that type of person. So I think he'd be over it, right? So I, I don't think that that would be the reason. The only way it would be is if it was so bad that the coaches just feel like they can't trust Marcus anymore. But I, I just don't think that's the case. So do you think it's mainly money-driven? I do. Okay. Yeah. I still think if Mark – I still think that we as the – if I was a betting man, I would – I don't know what the odds are for landing spots of, of Marcus Peters, but – I think that the Ravens have still the best odds. Nice. Yeah, that would be that'd be nice to hear. I mean, look, everyone uh when you when you're on a team, you'll have dust ups with your with your teammates. Certainly uh offense versus defense, I think would be more likely. But um man, I, I just hope that he didn't say because look, when we get when we get angry, we get upset, sometimes we say things that you just can't take back. You can't once the bottle's open, it's open. Like I just hope yeah. that he didn't say any of those unforgivable things. You know, there's certain things, certain lines you can't cross, even when you are in the heat of an argument. So um, I just hope that he didn't say anything that's not, you know, I always tell people like when you're, when you're mad, take us, take us, take a couple deep breaths. Cause it, you know, this is, you could say something that could permanently change your relationship with the person you're mad at. And it could be something that you're going to get over in, in, in a couple deep breaths. So hopefully uh, there's no, you know, that th this isn't going to prevent him from coming. But also, I hope that he's not just the vocal spokesman for a, a small group who are still here and that are yeah. still kind of questioning why he wasn't out there. Because to your point, Jimbo, as you get older, you realize that playoffs aren't guaranteed and damn sure competing for championships is not guaranteed. So I got to imagine there were some older, like you mentioned, the veterans who were going, this might be my last best shot at winning something. And... I know that we're not right. going very far unless number eight's under center. So I, I do agree that, uh, you know, it could be a small group that feels this way. I just hope that, you know, whatever, whatever, that's all kind of behind everyone right now and that they're not still, you know, worried about that now that the contract's been signed. Yeah, I would say that same group, if there's guys that are still here, that part of that feeling is that they want to win at all costs. And so, I think it's, it's, I think once you get to a certain point, all of us, like business is just business. You know what I mean? Like I want Lamar under center and, and my personal feelings don't change that. Right. Like however they feel on, because they know that it's all about winning at the end of the day. So he gives you the best chance of winning and it is what it is. Right. Like it doesn't do you any good to hold on to it. So um, that, that's what I'm hoping. But um, yeah, hopefully there's no conviction lost in, in our offensive leader from those guys.
Yeah, because your quarterback now not only is he your leader, but now he's the highest paid player. Which um, they, you know, I've always heard your leaders have to be first of all they have to be good. I don't care how good of a leader you are if you're not a good player, no one's going to take you seriously. Then you then um, you're a coach. Yeah, I think there's only one person who's an exception to this rule, and it seems like it's Udonis Haslam uh, for the Miami Heat because this guy is so – I mean, he he's still there. He doesn't play a lick, but he's still on the roster because he is the culture. Like, he yeah. is the culture checker. When someone's not acting right, he will, che- he will check you back into the right lane even though he doesn't play a minute in the postseason. Yeah. Well, he does have a resume to stand on though, right? He does, but at this point, if I was his teammate, I'd be like, can't you just become a coach by now and free up that extra roster spot? Like, you don't <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be, get, I'd, be, I'd be getting paid less. That's true. That's true. I guess that's probably why, yeah. You know? But there's yeah, no cap on assistant point. coaches, you know? There you no- go. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but anyway, um, do you have any issue with – let me see here. I have the list here of the players – I'm going to give you the name, and you quickly hit yes or no. Tell me yes or no. Do you have an issue of them not being there, okay? Yeah. All right. Uh, So we'll start with the top. J.K. Dobbins. Uh, No. All right. Pat Ricard. No. (laughs) Because – hold on. Before I go any further, is it because you don't think he's still going to be here or because you don't think it's really valuable for him to learn the offense this early? Uh, Is it it both? (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. How about Odell Beckham? A little. Okay. A little. How about Nelson Aguilar? Nah. Because at least you saw him working with Lamar, right? Oh, well, it's going to be Nelson. Run a seam route as fast as you can. That's true. That's true. (laughs) And how about uh, Kevin Zeitler or Ronnie Stanley? No, not at all. I mean, those guys the least. Yeah, that's why I put them together because I knew you'd say I don't give a damn. How about, about this one? This one, Travis Jones, hmm. young guy. I, I wonder if the only the only thing I can think about that. I wonder if he's trying to get himself in physical shape. I wonder if he's maybe a little behind the eight ball right now. Okay, now I assume you know since I mean? we've seen Roquan at all the other stuff, the fact that he was absent today does that bother you? No. Okay. No. Okay. No. All right, and then the last – it looks like all the corners, all the main corners weren't participating. We had Marlon, Caillou Blue Kelly, Pepe Williams, Rakia Sin. None of those participated. Uh, Nah. I mean, it would have been nice to see Caillou and and Rakia Sin, but I don't have an issue with it. Do you differ with me on any of these? Well, I got to imagine Caillou's absence was meant for – some sort of a small injury i don't even think rest i mean he's a rookie he should be out there um so i hope that it's not a serious injury because i gotta imagine if he's healthy he's out there and then pepe williams same thing i mean if you're not hurt you're a young guy fighting and scratching and clawing to try and get on this roster i think you should be there um yeah but i mean do i think it's gonna like affect how they're playing in september october no absolutely uh, absolutely not yeah you know the reason that i said obj kind of just such a tone setter. It's a reverberation about, you know, same the same reason why it makes a difference that Roquan is there uh, in comparison to like, okay, if Patrick Ricard shows up, that's cool. But if, if Roquan shows up, everyone's like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I feel like if OBJ shows up, it, show, it, it set, sets a tone, you know? 
Yeah, I bet if OBJ so, showed up, maybe the rest of the missing wide receivers and maybe even the corners up. might even show up. Yeah. Yeah. Now I wanna I wanna end with this, Glenn, unless you wanna you have a different opinion on that list than I do. Because I have no, a question I for you. I agree. Yep, I agree. Do you think do you think PFF has a bone to pick with Baltimore? You know, I don't know what it is because I don't know why they would have an issue with specifically Baltimore, but it does start to get obnoxious when you see yeah. these glaring omissions from all these top 10, top 20 lists when it's, I mean, it's pretty universally agreed upon that some of these guys deserve to be at least in the top 10. And when you pull up a list and you see Ronald Darby is ahead of Marlon Humphrey, you go, what the oh, so you hell? know where I'm going. Yeah. I saw your tweets. I saw you going at PFF. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really? How, like, in what statistical, analytical way can you leave Marlon Humphrey out of the top 10 corners in the NFL? I don't think there's a single way you can dice this. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand it. He's, I mean, there's not a ton of, like, I'd take Sauce over him because Sauce was the best corner in football in his rookie season. No matter who you ask, like, you ask PFF, he's number one. You ask, like, a scout, like, all of them. I mean, he was the all pro. So, but after him, there's really not a ton I'm taking over Marlon. Like now we know him more. Like we know how valuable he is in the community. We know how, you know, how much of a leader he is. The fact that he shows up to almost every single thing, even when he doesn't need to be there. So maybe that's playing a part, but man, it's, it's just, uh, it's puzzling, Jimbo, because some of the names, I'm like, are you trolling us? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's the third slight because remember Lamar when he was under 25 years old was left off the left off the under the 20 the top 25 players under 25 years old. It's crazy. And Lamar Jackson was on the list. And then Ronnie Stanley was not in the top 10 tackles in the NFL. And then of course, um Lamar and Humphrey, not a top 10 corner. This is just getting insane. It's getting out of hand. Oh, and getting also now some people may disagree. But Eric DaCosta was nowhere to be seen in the top GMs as well. It's nowhere insanity. to be seen. Absolute insanity. Oh, and then gosh. I saw guys like Les Snead up there. I, 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 I just don't understand how they pick this. It's Yeah, it's frustrating. But I use PFF for their non-biased grades. But I don't listen yeah. to their – when they, you know when Steve from PFF puts out his top 15 list because usually it's hot garbage. Yeah, garbage indeed. Absolutely. Um, nice. Well, I had fun. You got some more you want to get off your chest? No, that's my my list has been crossed off. We've talked about it all. Now, of course, um, if there's any breaking news, you know, you know, we'll we'll be back on here. But I know next week, don't miss Jimmy too much because uh I believe it's next week, right, Jimbo? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So you'll be getting a heavy dose. Of the G man, um, I might. Uh, I'm going to be efforting to get some guests in here, so it's not uh, all on, on on. You know, just have to look at this mug all day. But uh, I'm, I'm going to be efforting to get some guests on here. Well, of course, we're going to expand, and, and next week will be really the kickoff of uh, of some more Orioles talk, which I know fans go. are excited about. Their best team in the league right now, so um, it's a big, exciting time to be a fan in Baltimore. And we will keep you up to date on all your news. Uh, Thank you guys so much for coming out and joining us this evening. Please, everyone, wish Jimbo happy travels in his vacation. Uh, Hope all goes well with you and your family. Hope everything, um, you know, is is stress-free as it should be on vacation. And, um, yeah, Yeah. that's it for us tonight. We will – I'll be back next week. See you.